So before you're seated, look at somebody. Maybe you can even do this at home if you're standing. I don't know. That song may have brought you to your feet. But just look at somebody and say, you've gotten much better looking since the last time I saw you. <laughs> Wow, you watching online, you could probably hear the sound in the place. There's so many beautiful people here today. It's just wonderful. And I'm going to need my glasses because something's happened in the last 25 years. <laughs> so, but before I put them on, I want to just look at you and say how beautiful you look and how wonderful to see you here today and sharing this great occasion with us, 25 years since our amalgamation. So we're going to have a bit of a panoramic view of the past and into the present and into the future today. And it's essential that we look at our story, that we tell our story. Why are we supposed to do this? Well, there's a scriptural reason for it, and the scripture will come up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, that says, You must be very careful not to forget the things you have seen God do for you. Keep reminding yourselves and tell your children and your grandchildren as well. You know, I love to tell stories and I love to hear a story and I'm the storyteller in our family, so I'm now the self-appointed teller of our story today. And it says to tell it to your children and to your grandchildren. We literally have in our congregation, I'm just thinking of the Jenkin Peacock family, four generations of family to tell the story to. And several of you might have that same kind of history here in the place, that you've been here, your children, now your grandchildren, and going on. Wow, to God be the glory for the things he has done. You know, some people have just joined us on this journey, and some have been with us all along. You know, there's, there's better days ahead for us, and there's more people to come, but there are people that we want to acknowledge in this time that have been with us and helped us. And we are so grateful for the contribution that they have brought to us. Some are still with us and some have moved on and both are wonderful because together we're accomplishing the, 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 the kingdom of God and the growth of the kingdom of God in the earth. I just want to mention that there's too many names to say, but there are precious saints whose shoulders we stand upon today and that, that have brought us to this place. And we're so grateful for their spiritual foresight, for the generosity of a heart. This building that we're in today was brick by brick paid by the members of the church. That's how it was done. It wasn't some big windfall. And there was just so much that we have to give thanks to the Lord for. And we're grateful for every person that's here with us today and on the journey with us right now. And we thank you for your heart of commitment over this last year. It's been a year of trials. It's been a trial by fire for many. And we just thank you for your steadfastness and continuing on with us. So now, I want us to travel back in time, okay? So we're just going to go in our imagination. You know, when your history is happening and you're making it, you don't always have a photo. And I wish I had a photo of that first Sunday. Maybe someone does, and they can send it to me. But I have it in my mind. It's there. And let's travel back in time to this same week, 25 years ago, 1996. And Jack just asked for a show of hands of who was here on that Sunday. 
was a very significant Sunday. God had given Pastor Gordon Gibbs, who was then the pastor of the Penrith Christian Fellowship Center, a vision and a dream that we, being Mount Zion Christian Life Center, should amalgamate churches and that we should become one church and that Jack and I should come on as the lead pastors. And we prayed for months and asked the Lord to confirm that. And then he did that. And both of our churches were so ready for this amalgamation that we were all in favor of it. It was an answer to our prayers for different reasons, but it was an answer to all of our prayers. And so finally, we got to that day. There was a lot that needed to be worked out, but we just trusted that God was in it, that this was a God thing. Come back with me in your imagination and consider how this building looked back then. Those that raised their hands might remember um, it looked very different than how it is now. The, the walls were the very same dimensions for this auditorium, but it was one large room with orange bricked walls that were the same brick everywhere. Inside, outside, the building was constructed of those bricks that the members had paid for, and the walls were exposed in that color. Up the top, there were windows that are now covered over, and we had large levers that you could reach from the ground to open up the windows for ventilation. On the sides of the auditorium, there hung giant box. I have no idea where they'd come from, how old they were, but air conditioners that barely coped with the needs of the building and the heat that was there. And we had to put buckets underneath them to catch the drips because of all the condensation and so forth. This stage was higher. It was the height of that back area there. And there was, there was a curtain that went all the way across the back of it um, we had stairs, and this is, I think, our third platform that we've built since we've been in the building. Uh, central on the stage was a beautiful grand piano, which I now know resides in the PCS music room. Uh, the pulpit was very large, made out of wood, sat center stage right here. Uh, in those days, you didn't take it on and off like you saw us just do twice, but it was semi-permanent. It was there to stay, and you just, you just worked around it. The building was 12 years old, and it had seen constant use, six days a week, as we have a school as well as a church youth group. Um, I believe that buildings built for the kingdom of God are not meant to be shrines that are locked up and just looked at, but they are to be used. And when they're used, they sometimes need repair. <laughs> and after 12 years, the building had reached that. But for us who had been to that point, basically a portable church with only a three and a half year stint in a building, um, we could not be more grateful coming to that. We could not be more grateful. It was God's answer to our prayer. So our first service, let's just imagine that. Now I was worship leader for our church and it was decided that it would be that first Sunday I would lead the worship. And so we gathered the musicians and the vocalists during the week from both teams we decided who would be on the team for that Sunday, representing each, each church. Uh, we decided on a common list of songs that we, could, that we all knew, because we all had our favorites, but they were different. And so we wanted everyone to be able to sing together as we'd come together. And I remember looking out at this auditorium, and of course, none of the stadium seating was there. We had these black chairs. Anyone remember the black chairs? Some of them were better than others, and <laughs> we tried to sit, you know, you could snag your stockings, ladies, back when we wore dresses, you could <laughs> do that, but they were in a, a big fan shape all the way across with, with aisles, and I remember standing right here, or approximately right here, 
and looking out at what looked to me to be a sea of faces. We had been a church of 250, and joining together on that Sunday, there was at least 800 people in the auditorium. And it was just amazing, and it was delightful and frightening at the same time. And I remember looking out going, I don't know you. I don't know you. Oh, I know you. I don't know you. I think I'm going to need to get to know you because you're sitting in the front. I don't know you. I don't know. <laughs> and that's how I felt, and that's, how, that's where it was. And then Jack preached that day, and we were on our way, day one of this incredible journey we have together. Behind me are going to come up some slides. They're pretty much in a, a sequential order of our growth, but they won't illustrate everything that I'm saying at the moment, but they'll just kind of scroll through. And I expect as you look at them, you'll probably see some faces that you recognize and maybe have a few giggles, and I don't mind. But uh, I'm just going to keep talking anyway, all right? <laughs> so the early days. We moved the next week after that first service. We moved into these offices here. Jack and I took these offices here in the corner. And during that, in those days, our hallway went all the way around in a complete uh, circumference of the building. And I would get lost. It, the building was so huge, I could not ever find my office again. So I just keep walking and walking, and I go, oh no, that wasn't it. And then I go back. And finally, I just learned if I just kept going, I would come back to my office. And there were times when I just wanted to retreat back into my little small world, but God was stretching me like He was stretching everyone else because there was great growth ahead of us. When our church really started to come together was in May of 1996. And we had our very first mission conference. And missions is the heart of this church. It is the heartbeat of our church. And it is the thing that has united us through the, the years. It's the thing that has always been our true north and pointed us in the direction that we should go. Previously, our last uh, year's total as Mount Zion Church, we'd raised $25,000 for missions. And then that year, 1996, when we came together as Amalgamated Churches, we raised $125,000. We couldn't be more excited. And I remember Jack clapping his hands together and saying, now we have a church. Because we'd come together about what really matters. A year later, from that time on, people started to use the word about our amalgamation. They used the word seamless. Seamless. Because we would, we would forget who was from what church. And where we, we didn't, it was them and us. It was not that way at all. It was just us a year later. I see Reg and Marion out there today. I remember thinking, now, what church were, which one were you? Because that's how it was. Our hearts just came together. Now, there's many highlights of 25 years, and I am not going to go through 25 years at a time and, and you know, try to say it all. But I just want to highlight some of the things that have come along that were significant in our journey. In 1999, May of 1999, Jack was appointed the director of AOG World Missions, as it was called then. So he led our movement for missions and led our church at the same time. And he kept that role for 10 years. It was a huge thing to do. And because of taking on that appointment, we needed a little bit more help in our, our preaching ministry. And so it just happened to coincide with the fact that Pastor Wally Odom and his wife Gwen wanted to come to Australia for a short stint. And so we asked them to come and lead, be part of our preaching team. And Wally and Glenn, Glenn sorry, were here with us for two years. 
and made quite an impact on our lives. At the uh, end of 1999, we launched something called Making Life Better. Anybody remember Making Life Better? Remember our beautiful brochure? Denise had it in her file cabinet. How good is that? She keeps on, she's not the only sentimental person. Actually, she's just efficient. And I don't know if you notice on the cover, you probably can't see it on the screen, but um, that's Rowan and Marnie Kitching who made up our logo. And Rowan and Marnie were bigger than life out on the Northern Road on our sign. And their picture went to every home in Penrith, that couple. And so we actually put that brochure about our church in, at, on the doorstep of every home in our city. Quite an amazing thing to get that done. In 2000, the Olympics came, and that captured all of our attention. And the Olympics, I don't know what's up there. <laughs> Is that Simon? <laughs> our, the Olympic route, the torch route, went right by our church, and we had a blue stripe going down the northern road. And we all gathered on the corner of Frogmore and watched as the torch went by. In 2000, we announced that we had a goal of becoming a church of 2000. We held something called the Big Baptism, where we baptized over 100 people, children, men, women. And we made a mistake because we started with the littlies first. But don't you know, when you walk, that many people go through water, they soak up the water. So everybody that went out would drip a little bit more. And finally, we got to the big men. And Jack says his back has never been the same since he was trying to lift big men up out of the water doing that. And 2000, something else very extraordinary happened. In December of 2000 was our very first season of the Bethlehem Experience. Anybody involved in the Bethlehem Experience? Oh, man, it was hundreds of people that were involved in the Bethlehem Experience. And Rhonda Miller, I just want to mention her today because she was at the center of making that dream a reality. And she worked tirelessly. And a team of builders worked for six months to build the set. It was a one-acre set out there on our property that we created an interactive drama that you would come into Bethlehem with a guide and experience Bethlehem of old, but get the gospel as, as you went through that. It took six months, as I said, to build, and 128 actors rehearsed. On two occasions, the television crew came out to film what we did. Uh, in all, we did seven seasons, four in a row with a break, and then three more. So it was quite a thing. And we were really got to be known for the Bethlehem experience. Oh, you're the church that does the Bethlehem thing. Uh, while I'm on the topic of Christmas, just fast forwarding, we have always made Christmas a very special event. And uh, we've had several musical and dramatic presentations in recent years since we've not been able to do things on the property. Simon Austin has done a tremendous job in delivering to us great musical events. And this last Christmas, because of COVID, we, they made a movie. And how many saw the movie? The Christmas, it was just fantastic. And I, I can't go past also mentioning the Penrith Christmas lights and Steve Hunter and Shane De Silva, what they did to build all the lights that we had out there on the property. We literally gridlocked Penrith. I mean, you could not get anywhere near our property and on and off the M4, down the Northern Road. We gridlocked Penrith. I'm surprised we didn't get in a heap of trouble for that. 26,000 people came to see those lights. Amazing. 2001, we began some work on our building and our front garden entrance was completed and we got rid of the mud hill that was there and we created these beautiful steps and rose gardens along the way. 
And we began to experience exceptional growth. I mean, unbelievable growth. And I, I want to give credit to uh, Pastor Rick and Naomi Burl and the leaders that worked with them. They were our youth pastors, and they built a great team. Belinda Phillips, now Varla, was part of that. She was assistant youth pastor. And Troy Davis, Pastor Troy Davis, now in Darwin, was uh, work, the worker in the schools. Hundreds of young people came from our community and into this youth group. It grew to 500 and then on to 800, which was unbelievable in that day. And then during that season of growth that was so amazing, the Youth Alive event was on at Homebush, and we were literally able to arrange train carriages at the Panras station to take our youth group to Homebush. That was pretty impressive. And in this moment, I just want to also thank all that have served as our, our youth pastors. I mentioned Belinda, but also Steve Hunter, and for the years that he gave to that ministry, and Matt and Asha Rao, who are with us today and leading that ministry. Then in 2001, we learned of the G12 sales model. We'd already been doing uh, connect groups or cell groups, as we called them then, but the G12 cell church model was... Uh, an idea that we got from Bogota with Pastors Cesar and Claudia Castellanos. And we began to move into something that was a little bit more committed into an area of real discipleship, real connection, and a passion to win the lost for Jesus. So our cell groups grew out of being just care groups and pastoral care groups, which is important, but they also had a purpose, and that was to win the lost and make disciples. And integral to the G12 vision is the encounter weekend. And part of that weekend is, is addressing the real deep needs and the things that afflict us in our lives and bringing all these burdens to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so our youth were the first to have an encounter in August of 2001, followed by our adults in November. And then 2002, we changed our annual conference, missions conference dates from May to February. And we began stage one of our car parks, which these beautiful car parks that are up above on the upper level. Before that, that upper level was dirt. And it was dust in the summer, and it was mud in the wet. And people seemed to like to park there because it was closest. So once we had the money together, we decided, okay, that's where the next car park needs to go. Because <laughs> it went all the way down to the end, but people wanted to park there. So that's, that's what we did. And we moved entirely into the G12 vision, and we developed men's networks and women's networks, youth and kids. And together, each of us felt the... the burdened together to win this city for Jesus. We worked hard. We worked tirelessly. We worked long, and we worked effectively, and there was great growth in those years. We had cell groups just pop up everywhere. Many people opened their homes to host a cell. I hosted a cell at the Penrith Plaza, and it was a very unique experience to gather with a group of women to open our Bibles right out there on the table in the food court and to bow our heads in prayer, and we just were absolutely immersed in that vision. 2004, we began our first refit of the auditorium, and we changed to the stadium seatings. And to do that, we had to all move out. Most of the infrastructure was built off-site, and then we all moved out for three weeks, and church was in the Joan Sutherland uh, Center. Did anybody remember that, the Performing Arts Center? Yeah, okay, and all those stairs, you had to go up and down. It got you ready for this, didn't it? <laughs> And I'll never forget the Sunday when we all came back in and people came in through those doors and just started to look around and thought, 
I must just be on Mars or something because this doesn't look like my church. And where did my seat go? (laughs) Where'd my spot go that I always sit? And so it wasn't very long. People worked out what's going to be my next spot. What's my new favorite spot? And so I do look for you in, in wherever your spot is. So good to see you back in your favorite spot too. That's great. And in October 2004, dear Pastor Gordon Gibbs went home to be with Jesus. In 2005, Jill Aileen, who had been our children's pastor, finished up her role as that, and her faithful assistant, Allison Parker, took on the role of children's pastor. Allison, you have truly led a generation. And today, right now, our young team of, of, of leaders were under your discipleship and your team's leadership. And so it's just amazing to see what God will do in a period of time. And I think it's personally amazing to be around to see it. 2006 marked our 10th anniversary, and we had a big celebration with Pastor uh, Brian Houston coming and Pastor Steve Kelly. And that was the year that we changed the name of our missions conference from World Changers to Imaginations, which was going to become our name. 2007, our children's church underwent the very badly needed renovation, and it's the space that you see now. And at the end of 2007, Pastor Rick and Naomi Burl left to take on the leadership of the Hawkesbury Christian Center, which is now called Strong Nations Church. In 2009, Jack began to teach the church how anyone can share the gospel. And we created a little track called Five Things Everyone Deserves to Know. Anybody still have those in your pocket or your purse or your home? Yeah, they're still around. And literally thousands of those went out around everywhere. And in 2009, something that was probably one of the most landmark things in our life, Jack and I were in Burundi, and Jack attended a very early morning prayer meeting with the other men of the church. And during that prayer meeting, God gave him a specific word. He gave him a vision for planting sons and daughters and to help them grow great churches. Churches that would be missions-oriented and giving and going churches. And it was in that moment that Jack knew exactly who was supposed to go first and where we were supposed to go. And so in 2010, our first Imaginations Church was planted. We sent our first sons and daughter, Pastor Troy and Nicole Davis, were sent to plant Imaginations Church Darwin. It's now called Zion Church Darwin, and they continue to faithfully serve the Lord in the Darwin area. And in 2012, we sent Scott and Samantha Dawkins and family to begin Imaginations Church Phoenix. And I see Scott and Sam here today. Scott and Sam, thank you. Thank you for going. Bless them. And it continues on, amalgamated with the Refuge Youth Ministry, and Pastor Dan and Reagan Broder continue that work. In August 2014, we sent Craig and Melissa Marr and their six lovely daughters to Melbourne to start In Church Melbourne. In Church Melbourne is celebrating their Vision Sunday today, but they're in lockdown and have had to go back onto online. So we pray for those precious people there in Melbourne, now celebrating six years. So what's ahead? What's the next church plant? You think I'm going to tell you? (laughs) You have to come back next week. And I couldn't uh, finish up without talking about two other tremendous uh, ministries of our church. First of all, it would be West Care, which is the benevolent arm of our church, local people meeting local needs. And from its humble beginnings in the cottage that was there until about a month ago, (laughs) they continue to go from strength to strength, 
Initially, WestCare was led by Jenny Carson, then Mark Finlay, then Belinda Varlow, and several years under the very strong leadership of Pastor Sonia DeMartin, who then handed it on to Pastor Andrew Paik, who continues to lead the church, uh, to lead the ministry, and with the WestCare board, they are just putting WestCare on the front page. We're on the main page, main stage here in Penrith, doing a very effective work. And then finally, Penrith Christian School, such a significant ministry of our church. And it began uh, in a different location, moved to this property in 1985. This is the 40th year of operation. It began with a single demountable on this property and 22 primary age students. All three of our children graduated from PCS. And Tim Sage is here today, chairman of the board and a board member since 1982. Tim, we owe you a debt of gratitude for your leadership and and your love for the school and your wisdom. And we also have our principal, Tracy Deal, here today, and many of the PCS staff. Thank you so much for coming. And at the conclusion of this service, we're going to have a time of prayer for them as they launch into 2021. So in conclusion, 25 years of our ministry together, we've seen the hand of God. We've seen his blessing upon us. And we give him all the glory. And we've also seen the commitment and the generosity and the service of this great and faithful people. And you have joined together with us in the cause of Jesus Christ. And we humbly and we gratefully say thank you. We've accomplished so much together. We truly are better together. Now we've looked at what's been. Now let's turn our attention to what is to come. How do you do 25 years in 20 minutes? Uh, well done. Wonderful. So I want to share, uh, Carol's just talked about the last 9,125 days. But in a moment, I'm going to share with you what I believe God wants to do in the next 1,000 days. How many could believe with me that the best years of this ministry are not behind us, but in front of us? So let's start with our theme for this year. Kind of birthed out of 2020 in some ways. It seems like 2020 has been the year of closed, you know, closed borders, closed beaches, closed business, closed. And we saw churches closed. We saw parks and recreational equipment in the parks closed. Restaurants closed. Cinemas closed. Airports closed. And even in our own homes to guests, closed. So our theme for 2020 is open. We're not going to let the closed that may be all around us get anywhere near inside of us. We're open. We're open. I'm open. We are open. We're open for business. Come on. We're open for kingdom business. I'm open for love, for kindness, for serving, for helping, for lifting, for caring, for giving. I'm open. We are open. Our hand is open. Our heart is open. Our homes are open. Our house is open. Our theme is open. So Carol just talked, like I said, to the day, 9,125 days ago to here. And I want to share with you the dream and the vision for the next thousand days. Normally when we share our vision, it's for, it's for this next year. 
But I believe what's in our heart is not only for this next year, 2021, it's also for 22 and 23. A dream that's in our heart for the next thousand days. In the next thousand days, we want to add 1,000 souls to the kingdom of God. In the next thousand days, we want to be a part of turning 1,000 non-Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. A thousand days, a thousand souls. A thousand days, a thousand lives. A thousand days, a thousand names. We're not just talking about numbers. How many know that the book of numbers is really a book of names? Names, names, 1,000 names recorded, recorded in the book of life and recorded in our roles as we pastor and lead and care and nurture them. We want to see 1,000 people begin the journey of knowing Jesus, finding freedom, discovering their purpose, and making a difference. Let us offer hope. Let us offer the good news of Jesus Christ and eternal life to a thousand people in the next thousand days. This vision is not conditional to COVID-19 or to circumstances and situations that can change in a day like we just saw in Melbourne. This vision is not conditional to lockdown or restricted by restrictions. We can fulfill this vision in church or online or at home or at the service station. My question is this, and to those of you watching online right now, my question is this, what if this vision became the main thing on the screen of our mind. How many things right now are fighting to become the main thing on our mind? The first thoughts we're thinking when we wake up in the morning, you know, the main thing. What if this vision of seeing 1,000 names written in the Lamb's Book of Life in the next 1,000 days, what if that vision became the main thing and everything else that's going on around us in this crazy world right now was peripheral to it? What if this is my focus? What if this is my dream? What if this is what gets me up and out of bed today, not having to go to see what the latest restrictions are, what's the newest thing I can or can't do? What if this becomes the main thing? What if I wake up every day not thinking about COVID-19, but thinking about a thousand names in the Lamb's book of life? I wonder if Layla is here this morning. I talked with Layla just last week, just met her. I don't want to embarrass her in any way. If she's here and you're not too embarrassed, would you put your hand up? And if not, no worries. Layla is the first name of a thousand names who just gave her heart to Christ just a few days ago and is sewing in right now into our church. What about 
Joycelyn. Joycelyn, are you here this morning? Joycelyn is the second name that has begun the journey with us. So really, I'm talking about 998 names. I'm going to ask you to own this vision. If you are part of Imaginations Church at home or online, would you own this vision? How many of these thousand names belong to you? Will you pray about that? Would you ask God how many of these thousand names in the next thousand days are going to come through you and your family? I wonder how many of these thousand names are going to come through our children's ministry. I wonder how many of these thousand names, Allie, are boys and girls. I wonder how many of these names are going to come through our youth ministry, Matt. I wonder how many of these names are going to come through young adults or young families or some of our senior members. How many will come through our connect groups, connect groups owning this vision? Andrew, how many will come through Westcare? How many will come through PCS? Tracy? How many through online or through in-house worship services? Will you own this vision? Will you embrace this and make it your own with us? And I'm not only going to ask you, would you own this vision of a thousand names in a thousand days, but would you owe this Vision? Would you feel a sense of debt? Would you not only own it, but owe it? And this is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. He said, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both the New South Welshmen and Queenslanders. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Also, Paul said, I am a debtor. I am a debtor. This is the Greek word opheletis. And Thayer's Dictionary of Greek Words says, here's what Paul was saying when he used this word. One who owes another a debtor. It means one held by some obligation, bound by some duty. Would you not only own this vision, but would you owe it with me? Would you become a debtor to a thousand people in the next thousand days? I owe this gospel message to a thousand people in the next thousand days whose names are not yet written in the book of life, I owe it to them. If I have water, or if I have bread, or if I have life, and someone near me doesn't have those things, then I owe water, I owe bread, I owe life. 
to those around me who do not have it. Paul said, I owe the gospel to every man. I'm asking Imaginations Church in the next thousand days to owe the gospel to a thousand people. Paul understood that he was bound by duty, duty to deliver the message of Christ to every man. May that same sense of duty and obligation be on our church as we dream of a thousand people becoming committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some right now are focused on those who are not interested in church anymore, those who are not interested in Christ anymore, those who are not interested, and my heart is for them, and I love them, and I call them back, but they are not my focus. My focus is a thousand people who have never known Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. I ask you, to own this vision. I ask you to owe this vision. And I ask you to buy this vision. To be willing to pay the price and count the cost to own it. We can say amen. We can say that's good. Well, that's different. I feel positive about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about would you buy it? Would you buy it? Would you consider what it will cost you to own this vision? Would you buy it? Jesus said in Luke 14 and verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. Don't begin until you count the cost. Jesus said, for who would begin construction of a building, a vision, a dream? Who would begin the building of that without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough to finish it? Buy this vision with me. What's it going to cost you in time, in commitment, in courage, in boldness, and in taking up your cross and following Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. That one was worth everything else to me a thousand souls in a thousand days is a pearl of great price a pearl more valuable than anything and everything I own I ask you to own this vision I ask you to Owe this vision. I ask you to buy this vision. And then once you've bought it, I ask you to sell this vision. Sell this vision. To own this vision, you must be courageous. To sell this vision, you must be contagious. 
I promise you, you have friends, Christian friends. There are people all around you right now who are listless and lifeless and living without any true sense of focus or vision. You have many, many, many people right now have emerged from 2020 with their equilibrium off. Many have come out of 2020 in a mist and in a fog of uncertainty and unclarity. There are those around you with no real reason and no real cause and no real vision. Be contagious and sell it to them. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Stumbling is not the way God wants us to live. But walking, focused, fruitful, where there is no vision, the people perish. The New English Version says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. They just spit the bit and bridle. They're just on their own. The message says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Sell this vision to those around you. I learned a long time ago that saving others saves me. Not like the cross and the blood saved me, but like save me from self-focused, shallow, narrow, empty, little shriveled up living. I'm asking you to buy this vision and you have to be courageous, but I'm asking you to sell this vision and you have to be contagious. Transmit its life-giving power to someone else. What I want to say is breathe on them, but <laughs> metaphorically. I pray a thousand lives in a thousand days would be transmittable, spreadable, infectious, and communicable in its life-giving force. I ask you to own this vision. I ask you to owe this vision. I ask you to buy this vision. I ask you to sell this vision. And finally, I ask you to sell out for this vision. Sell out for a thousand names and a thousand days. Sell out, sell out, sell out. Thank you, team, come. I'm asking you to not only be courageous, I'm asking you to not only be contagious, I'm asking you to be flipping outrageous <laughs> with this vision. Sell out. Sell out. Come on. Let's own this. Let's do this. Let's lay hold of this.
John Wesley said, I set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. If you're going to burn, burn for this. Sell out. All in. Fired up. Full on. Amped. Jacked. No fear. The Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will assist us on our assignment. Welcome to Vision Sunday 2021. And welcome to the next thousand days.